0: Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Number one, Mac, how tall are you?
1: Uh, It depends on what day it is. You know, on a a good day, man, I'm 5'8", but, you know, I I think the program said 5'9", so around the house I'm 5'7".
0: Okay, okay, all right. Now, now, how much did you weigh when you played?
1: I was 142, between 142
0: and 145 pounds. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life. From current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Okay, so... Welcome to the Shark Effect. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Molden. I have a, a a great friend. I got a guy that I consider a mentor. He's he played in the NFL for eight years. Uh, he's a speaker. He's a motivational speaker. He's a co-host of ESPN in Las Vegas. He's a All Star game. Coach the Blue Gray High School All Star Game and also the college, uh, the Hula Bowl. He coaches there. He has a camp. It's called Camp Twenty Nine, where it helps it helps kids kind of develop their their skills both on and off the football field. And and here's the really cool thing, uh, you know, besides him having a magnificent story, is he's a cook. And when I I shouldn't even say cook. I should say chef. Because if you follow him and you see some of the things that he's putting out there for the world to see, I mean, goodness gracious, he's helped me out on the grill, let me tell you. But <laughs> but uh, my good friend, uh, Mark McMillan. Mark, man, it's so good hearing your voice, man.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, man, I consider you family, man. You've always uh, kept it 100, kept it positive with me, um, even back in the day. Uh, and trusting me into uh you know helping your son Elijah uh even get better on and off the field. And till this day, man, we still have a really good relationship. So I want to thank you for letting me pour into your family's life as well.
0: Man, I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. And he's Elijah, uh yeah, he he really looks up to you and values everything, all the nuggets that you give him. So um but just a little I want to give the the people just a little bit about you. So, number one, Mac,
1: how tall are you? Uh, it depends on what day it is. You know, on a on a good day, man, I'm five eight. But you know, I, I think the program said five nine. So, okay. around the house, I'm five seven. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> now, now, how much did you weigh when you played? I was 142, between 142 and 145 pounds. <laughs>
0: Okay, so with that, with that, Mac played eight years in the NFL. Uh, Were you a 10th round? That's back when they had like, how many rounds did they have back in the day?
1: I think it was 11 rounds back then.
0: 11 rounds. You got got drafted in a 10th round by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles back in 1992?
1: Yep, 92. I think I was pick number 272, I think, if I'm not correct. Okay. If I'm corrected, I always remember that name because I I I put that on my wall and I always look back like okay, all these dudes probably like 50 other DBs got drafted before me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as motivation.
0: Oh, I love it. I love that. It's always about like motivation, right?
1: It's it's always man. That's that's you know something that we can always uh, pull from from our experiences. uh, You know, you always need something. Uh, to motivate you, especially in in the field that we were in, you try to grasp on anything uh, that can use as, as motivation, whether it be something in the media, uh, or something at home, something that happened back in your hometown that uh, you couldn't be a part of, but you wanted to make change. So it's always something that uh, you can try to pull from to try to get you over the hump. Man,
0: hearing you say that, and then you know, with this whole pandemic that's going on, and 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 also with, with the pandemic, you know, things that are that are on TV. And right now there's a very popular show on ESPN called The Last Dance.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's
0: talking about, you know, the whole story of the Bulls and, Matt and uh, Michael Jordan. And he was always looking for that something to give him an edge, to give him like that chip on his shoulder. And, you know, from the first day I met you, Mac, which was, it was back in 96 when I was drafted
1: mm-hmm. and Mac,
0: oh man, you, you taught me a very valuable lesson that I've, I've always really had it really sunk into me. And, and I always tell my kids this as well is you, you never cast judgment or never look at somebody and how they appear. And think that you have them figured out, meaning when I met you, I came in. I came in the locker room. You know, I just got drafted, right, <laughs> first round. And I first came round. in the locker room, and Jump I was Park like, what? <laughs> Jim Park, Rose Bowl, Oregon <laughs> Ducks. I, I came in the locker room, and I was like, okay, all right, who? Who is Mark? Is Mark McMillan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and he stood up. I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be all right this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give me a lot of run." <laughs> and I, I will never forget this: going out there on the practice field, the first mini camp, first mini camp we had, and we're going through the drills. And I'm starting to look, and I'm, you know, I'm checking out other guys and stuff. And I'm like, "Damn, man, he's kind of quick. <laughs> he's kind of quick. He's not the biggest. He ain't the biggest cat." <laughs> But he was kind of quick. And then we went out there and we did one-on-ones. And we watched one-on-ones. And every time you got up there, I was looking. And I was like, I have never seen, number one, somebody that quick. And then, number two, somebody who knew the routes. And number three, I've never seen so many interceptions by a defensive <laughs> back in one-on-ones ever. And then after that day, I was like – well, I guess I better learn nickel. <laughs> it just it taught it taught me something. Man. Not never judging a book by its cover, and especially if that if that book it has a lot of experience in there, and you know I think that was your fifth, fourth, fifth year.
1: That a, was year number league? five. Yeah, I number just came five. from uh, just came from from Philly, and you know even just to piggyback off of that, even in Philly, man, just playing along. Uh, I was number six on the depth chart and uh, I I just made my way on the special teams. And, and I'm sure, you know, when I walked into the locker room, guys were laughing, saying I was a waste of draft pick. I can remember Reggie White uh, making jokes, like get this little kid out of the locker room. So I just always had that little, uh, I guess that chip and that nugget. And I'm sure a lot of guys, you know, they, they judged me from when I first walked into the locker room and, uh, and I think it was probably like week seven. I was, you know, from fifth string to week seven or eight. I ended up starting uh, in the National Football League alongside uh, Eric Allen, and uh, you know, from from there, man, they just kind of trying to kind of blossomed, and uh, you know, just became until, you know, every year they were drafting. Guys in the second round, third round, and I was telling us like you guys are wasting draft picks Mm. to try to replace because I I knew every year, you know, it was always oh he's too small. Can he hold up this year? Can he hold up that year? So every year was like, man, I've been starting for you know two or three years. What else do I have to do for you guys to be like, okay, we got a solid guy that we know can cover in spite of his his height. So I, I used that man, and then just you know, even when I went to New Orleans, I was like, okay, I'm here back with EA. And they signed you. I was like, good. You know, I had no I was not worried about my job. I was like, man, I was just wanted to win. And anybody that can help us win, you know, I was all on board. So I felt like what E8 laid down for me, that was an opportunity for me to pour into you. And like I said, you're you're probably on cloud nine, man. You're the Rose Bowl. You got the Thorpe. And, you know, a lot of guys probably would have felt a little envy like, man, this guy's coming to replace me for my job. I was not even worried about my job. I was worried about getting better myself, trying to be a better teammate. And, you know, I didn't want to be that guy later on, be like, man, this guy was telling me the wrong plays. He didn't help me out. Mm Uh, Cause you was a good dude, man. You didn't come in with no ego. You wasn't talking smack. Although you did roll up with that white drop top thing, though.
0: <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was thinking, man. I, I was, I was, you know, I was trying to be a part of the culture, and I didn't even know what the culture was. I just know I wanted, I was one of the Mercedes, and I finally got a little lint in my pocket, and I was able to.
1: <laughs> so yeah, man, that was that was an opportunity for me. Uh you know, the return the favor that eric returned to me, and you know i I never was a a selfish player in spite of you know all the stuff you know I was probably one of the most i wouldn't say hated but people didn't like me, you know especially receivers because I talked so much trash, and I just used that as my uh as my motivation and then seeing you being able to get your opportunity to flourish man i was i was i was excited man we wasn't on the same team, but I was rooting for you every week because i knew. Uh, you know, you paid your dues, uh, you never complained, uh, in practice, you always stayed focused you know, you had your glasses on, you looked studious. So, you know, it it, it was, it was good to see you, uh, you know, prosper and and continue to be, uh, the player that you were. And now with with your success off the field, man, it's great to see, uh, you have a platform like this and I appreciate you uh, giving me an opportunity to speak on your platform.
0: Oh, for sure, man. I appreciate that, man. Um, so tell, I want to kind of rewind a little bit because people don't know like how you started, right? Like I want people to understand like, like where you came from and, you know, before you even got into uh, the pros. So you played high school football down in L.A., right? Yep, I and, played,
1: uh, I went out for the, my team, uh, even, you know, I go way back to Pop Warner. I got cut from Pop Warner. Uh, I've never heard anybody get cut for pop Warner. And I end up being the water. I end up being the water boy. You know, oh. a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that. So I still got that trophy. I think I have it, or my mom has it, and it has Athletic Trainer. Um, uh, back in the day when I was uh, the water boy for my pop Warner team. So I just wanted to be a part of something, man, and get off the streets. You know, born and raised in South Central L.A. I just wanted to uh, get away from you know the violence for at least three or four hours, just to be a part of something. So I was. Man, when it was timeout, dude, I was the first one out there, you know, with my water bottle and, you know, making sure all my boys had water. And uh, when practice was over, those the same dudes I went to, you know, elementary school with. So we were just running around in the streets and I was just happy to be a part of it, man. And then going to high school, I didn't start playing football to my senior year.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. So, okay, so, so you got into it late, Right. Yeah. So, so I would get, say I was a late,
1: late bloomer. <laughs> late
0: late bloomer. OK, so now this is important because I want my listeners to understand that, you know, where most most kids. I mean, myself, I was a late starter. I got started playing in the eighth grade and I didn't really know anything about it, about the game. Uh, I, I mean, my dad, he didn't know anything about the game. <laughs> he was in the army. We never watched it. But I used to play football out in the streets, and I was like, "Man, I'm a. I kind of want to. I kind of want to do this. I want to play this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know." So, and so I started in eighth grade, but you're saying that you started not until playing until your senior year.
1: Yeah, my senior year of high school, and uh, we had uh, Dion Lambert, who ended up getting drafted uh, in the NFL, and another guy whose name was Kenny Furness. So he, they, we had two really good corners and you know I was just I was just happy to be on the team man and then the, the guy in front of me you know I think it was probably maybe week five or six he ended up going down and tearing his knee up and then you know I had an opportunity to play you know four or five games and uh, you know I was kind of like man I, I like probably like you was like man I, I think I want to do this this is pretty cool this is fun I, I feel part of a team and um, you know, so I think out of our high school team, that team, we had like four guys got drafted to the NFL off that team. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. And so f- for you, it was the team aspect. Yeah, it was, that it, was really all drove about, you.
1: Yeah, it was all about team just being a part of something, man. And like I said, you know, just growing up in, uh, in the streets, you know, growing up without a father, you know, just looking for something to be a part of and, and feel wanted and, you know, not want to go back to the hood and you know, fall into that trap. So I knew every day I was going to be at practice. I was going to be around a good group of guys, I had a really good coach who was a really good mentor to all of us because we came from all different backgrounds. You know, I had to wake up at 5.30 every morning to catch that school bus from L.A. Uh, to go to the Valley. So we were on the bus, man, for like an hour and a half going up and back every day. So, uh, you know, it was it was just something that, you uh, you know, we wanted to – put ourselves in a better position to be successful. And, you know, my mom, you know, put me on that bus every morning, man, made sure that I was, uh, you know, going to the school that was less, uh, you know, with less violence. Because in gotcha. LA, I was either going to go to Jefferson or Man U Arts where, man, they were, they were dudes was fighting and shooting every week. Man,
0: man, that's something. So, so after high school, did you like envision yourself going and going to, to college and, and either playing football or, or just going to school? Did you, I mean, did you see anything coming from, from, your, from your senior year of playing football?
1: Uh, I, I didn't see anything. I actually uh, ended up running track two halfway through the season and ended up winning uh, the 100 and 200 uh, in the city track meet. So my, my deal was like, okay, well, you know, nothing came of football. Um, you know, the junior college coaches uh from Glendale College in California, the track guys came out to my track meetings like, Hey, you know, we want you to come, you know, run track for our school. So I was like, Well, she I'm not gonna make it in football, let me just go out for the track team. So I end up uh going out for the track team and you know, the coaches, the football coaches, Coach John Secudo who's you know pretty much like a father figure to me, uh said, Hey, why don't you come out for the football team? We heard that you know, you played high school football for a couple of a uh, couple of weeks, and you know, let's give it a try. But man, back then I was probably like 130 pounds. So you know, <laughs> wow. you know how the JUCO go. You you know you get some guys that that's bounced back, that's been playing JUCO, playing D1 ball for you know two years. So hmm. you're you're out, I was out there with grown men, you know, with a Jerry curls 130 soaking wet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, okay, so you went to JUCO. And I mean, I'm just gonna fast forward a little bit. You went from from JUCO from from that, to then going to the University of Alabama. How does that? How did that happen? What <laughs> what, what what was the connection? How, I, I'm so interested to hear about this.
1: Um, you know, uh, in in JUCO, like uh, my, my sophomore year, um, I was a JUCO All-American. Me and Dale Carter was uh first team uh which is ironic how it turned out we ended up playing yeah that's right yeah
0: and city
1: yeah and then um you know usc had chris hale he was he was from glendale he was a shorter guy and you know growing up in la right down the street from the coliseum in la i was like man i want to go to usc you know if you're in la you want to go to usc or ucla Mm. so i was all in and then you know the coaches from usc said well we're going to go with another route uh, you know, we're going to go with a bigger guy. We don't think you can hold up in the Pac-10 back then. And, uh, you know, the coach, uh, A.J. Kristoff, Bill Curry was the coach at Alabama at the time. And A.J. Kristoff comes in our coach's office and, you know, he's got the Alabama shirt on. And I'm thinking, like, we had me we had a punter who was All-American. I, all these people I think they're going to come out and see. Not me, but the punter. And, you know, he said, hey, we want to see some film on Mark McMillan. And I'm looking at my coach, and my coach is looking at me, and I'm like, uh, I'm Mark McMillan. So there's like, hey, how you doing? You know, want to check out some film? And, you know, after watching the film, you know, we go back to the office and say, hey, you know, we'd like to um, offer you a scholarship if you want to come on down and take your visit. And I'm thinking, like, they just played in the National Championship game in the Sugar Bowl, and I'm looking at these dudes, you know, from down south, bigger, stronger, faster. I'm like mm-hmm. – why are they going to come way out here to California to get a Juco guy? They can go right there in Birmingham or Montgomery and, you know, get a guy. But, you know, uh, end up taking my trip down there was a a good time. They had Leonard Russell, um, Chris Mims, who was in San Diego, Bernard Daphne. Uh, So it was like a lot of California kids that they invited down there. And I said, man, once I had an opportunity, I was like, I'm coming here. And Chris Mims and Daphne was like, man, we ain't coming to no Alabama. And they ended up signing with Tennessee. So uh, by the time I um, got my AA from uh, Glendale and took the plane from LAX to Tuscaloosa, man, we were you know, walking into Bryan Hall and guys are like crying and, you know, guys are packing up their stuff. And I'm like, what's going on? It's like, you didn't hear? And I'm like, hear what? I've been on the plane for four hours. It's like yeah. Coach, Coach Curry just got fired. Something i thinking uh. like, wait a minute. This the that, wait a minute, how can he get fired? He I just talked to him twenty-four hours ago before wow. I got on the plane. And you know, I was man, I was like a big baby. I, I called home and you know, I'm crying to my mom and she's like, shoot, I don't know what you're crying for. You better you better stick this out. So you ain't coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up, you know, sticking it out, man. And uh, you know, we hired Gene Stallings and Uh, just recalling just, you know, a little bit, just going through one-on-ones and doing pretty good. And uh, he comes in, he recruits Antonio Langham, who ended up winning the Thorpe. Um, And he sent me over there to the walk-ons. And I was like, wait a minute, I was over there for three days with guys with different color helmets, different color pads on. And, you know, I'm sharing a locker with Dabo Sweeney and, and other guys, like three guys in one locker. And, you know, there was like some of the guys were like, uh, man, you need to go tell coach that you're on scholarship. And so, you know, coach dollars, he was, I'd never met the bear, but he had that, that fear. Like, you know, he was well-respected and he had that Southern draw and I go to his office and say, Hey uh, coach, I, you know, I would like an opportunity. I'm on scholarship." And he looked at me and said, I didn't recruit you. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, I'm on scholarship, coach. So he goes in his little paperwork and finds my scholarship in there. He said, okay, tomorrow you come over here and you you go with the guys with the third string and you go through one-on-ones and, and we'll see uh, if you can play out here in Alabama. So, you know, obviously, man, I just – I was <laughs> hold on, <out> there.
0: <laughs> hold on, Mark. Hold on, hold on. So, so let me get this right. They had – a certain practice area for walk-ons and then for the guys with scholarships
1: oh yeah we had, a, we had a, it was totally separate you know everybody you know the, the, the real guys the scholarship guys you know you're on the main field and then the walk-ons we're on a, a totally different practice field so you know I'm just looking over there I'm like man those, I'm supposed to be over there with these dudes these dudes I'm over here with I'm killing these dudes <laughs> Like, it's not even, it's not even, it's not even a, a question. It's not even funny. Like, these dudes are just happy to be on the team. Got gotcha. you. know, m- most of these guys, you know, parents went to Alabama, grandparents played at Alabama. So it was just in their bloodline. So they were just excited. I was like, man, this, this is, this ain't right, bro. So, you know, just so going So you went the- over
0: there that next day or, that- yeah, yeah, the next day, yeah and, and
1: then and you know just going through the one-on-ones and picking up you know the the coverages and you know because obviously playing at Juco for two years it was you know you're playing against guys that either bounce back or guys that's going to college just didn't have the grades to match so I played against some really good competition uh, in California so I was already ready and uh, from that first practice man I was hitting everything and knocking everything down and intercepting passes and you know, just talking trash, just trying to bring uh, attention to myself. Like, Hey, you know, I got to get noticed somehow. And, you know, after that practice, coach Stallman said, you can move your stuff uh, into the locker room and uh, you know, you can come after over there tomorrow. After yeah. You, one come practice. Practice. You, you, you can get, you can get through uh, the right color Jersey. Uh, you don't have to have that faded crimson helmet. Uh, we're going to get you some new pads. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I got an opportunity to, uh, you know, to the, the play with the guys and and practice and kind of work my way into uh, the lineup. Like I said, I was shooting even at Alabama. I think I didn't start the, my first college game till probably week four um, because there were there were guys in front of me, but they just wasn't getting it done. And uh, they gave me that opportunity, man, and I just I just hung on to it and and, and never let it go.
0: Mm. And then you made the most out of it. You made the most out of it coming into your. Your, your senior year, right?
1: My, se- my senior year, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was ready, man. And shoot, I, uh, my junior year, man, I was – shoot, I was – my senior year was in question uh, because I got kicked off the team because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do in the classroom. So uh, Coach Dolan's, man, he, he came and, and told me that I had to move out of the dorm. They got me an apartment. I couldn't practice. Um, I had to stay uh, back at school for that whole summer. You know, to take summer classes while everybody else was home. Uh, the only people that was in the in the dorm with me was uh, uh, Latrell Sprewell uh, because obviously he was he had a different mindset that he was wanted he wanted to go to the NBA, so he just wanted to stay and work out. And it was somebody else in the dorm, but man, I was out there picking up trash, uh, going to summer school, and you know, hearing the reports, looking at the newspapers of. You know, McMillan's a failure. He's not going to make it. You know, Antonio Lang was going to be the new guy next year. And so it was a lot going into my senior year that, that was even in question. So I just had to really bog down and, and, and uh, focus on what was really important and get my grades right uh, so I can get off of academic probation and uh, be eligible. So, you know, my senior year was, was really good, was all SEC. We had, uh, we had the number one defense in the nation, the number one pass defense in the nation. Uh, I think we finished up ten and one beating uh the defending national champion champion I think it was the colorado buffalo they were They were the defending national champions, so we ended up beating them and uh you know after that, I was like man there's there's a strong possibility that I could probably make it to the national football League after that
0: absolutely so man, so that senior year before before the season started like you get you get hit with the roadblock and not necessarily somebody. Else's, I mean, you've had roadblocks you know going leading up into college, and you know, with your size and the coach not giving you any respect, but then like when grades came in, so was that like a big turning point that like man, this football you know, is it might not be here? Did that give you another edge?
1: That was that was a big edge, man. Like, uh, you know, I think Coach Stallings did it on purpose, he put my apartment uh he rented they they rented out an apartment for me right uh you know right and down the street from the complex so guys that walk from the dorm, you have to actually walk by my apartment every day to go to practice to come back to practice so you know I just see those guys every day going by uh my window throwing rocks at my window laughing and making jokes, and you know man, I was embarrassing, man that was that was really hard to swallow and I i never even told my mom I don't think I told my mom to this day that I was on academic probation <laughs> I think if I tell her now man she might she might jump through the phone but uh you know that was something man my, my grades and I know we always preach that to these young men that you know football can be taken away just like that I, you know no matter you know what great junior season I had big expectations starting in the SEC but you know, when those grades came, man, man, I, I kind of, I, I dropped the ball. And, you know, I did it to myself. It wasn't anybody because they had tutors there to help me. They had everything there for me. But, um, you know, I, I just wasn't disciplined enough in my in my studies uh, to take it serious because I just, I just wanted to play football.
0: Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you get drafted and, you know, you kind of already talked about this, but how was it like, playing in the, in the National Football League, playing like that's the, that's the, the pinnacle, right? How was that like?
1: Um, it, it was, man, just it was probably one of the best feelings, um, you know, just, just having an opportunity, you know, from playing Tecmo Bowl in our dorm in Alabama to walking in the locker room with, you know, Reggie White, Jerome Brown, you know, uh, Eric Allen, uh, Reggie White. Randall Cunningham, I was like, man, these guys are these are the guys that we've been playing with in our, in our dorm room. And, you know, watching those guys play on TV, and, and their defense was, man, they, they had a really good defense, and they didn't, they didn't care about anybody. And uh, having that opportunity to play in Philly uh, was, was kind of fitting for me because the Philadelphia fans have that same kind of street mentality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no excuses, work hard for what you, you know, what you want. Uh, don't complain about anything. And, you know, that, that kind of helped me out as well uh, because, you know, they like the underdog story. And, uh, you know, I I was pretty much the underdog, you know, my first year. And like I said, getting that opportunity to, you know, just run out in front of a crowd of 70,000 people and uh, being able to provide for your family, just being around, you know, good guys. And, uh, you know, just every day, man, in practice, I just, I just went out like I was in, High school or junior college, and you know, I could just hear Fred Barnett and uh, some of the other receivers saying, "Man, why don't you slow down? Like you're you're good." I was like, "No, nah, man, I, it can all be gone on one play, so I'm not going to be uh, take anything for granted." You know, I can't go back home, bro. I, I got to make this team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what are
0: some of the things that that you learned that 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 gave you success? on the field and then later on after football those same type of or that same mindset that gave you success off the field
1: um you you just got to go out and uh you know work hard for what you want and it may not be uh the success that you're looking for overnight and you know it's going to take some time and you know obviously you gotta you know get on those knees you gotta pray uh you gotta ask god to uh to continue to guide you and uh, you know, just going through our career, you know, you know, we'll, we'll say the prayer before the game and after the game, and then we'll go out and party and do the things that we are supposed to be doing. And, you know, you just, you just got to stay focused on, on, uh, you know, what's really important for you. And I still use that today, man, when I'm doing these camps and combines and just try to tell these young men that uh, everybody's not going to go division one. Uh, everybody's not going to just be a CEO right off the bat. You're going to have to, face some hard times and some challenges and you're going to have to be disappointed a lot. Uh, you're going to be let down. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and you just have to, you know, just be mentally prepared to, to push through those things. And, uh, the people that can grasp that and and understand that, you know, the journey and be able to be, uh, disciplined, um, as you know, shooting the national football league, you're only good as your last play. And, you know, you got to, you know, if you get bleed on a, on a touchdown or something, you can't go into the, to the tank. You got to just uh, have a short memory and you got to get back in, into the game and focus. And even in life, man, there's going to be guys that get fired. Uh, there's going to be somebody that you, uh, that you probably work harder than they'll probably get a position that you know you qualify for. And you just got to stay, uh, stay grounded and stay humbled. And uh, when your number is called, uh, you just got to be ready because it, it, sooner or later they're going to call that number. And if you're not prepared, all that hard work you put into it is is gonna be a waste.
0: Absolutely. Man, I agree so so much with that, especially like the 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 being prepared. That's something that I've been listening to you talk about, and it's the preparation, right? Always being ready. And I think a lot of people, no matter what industry they're in, whether it's in the sports world or as a teacher or as an entrepreneur, whatever. But knowing the landscape, that it's not always going to be peaches and cream. There's going to be some some pitfalls, but you you have to be ready, both for the success and the failures.
1: And you you know you learn you got to learn from those failures. And uh, you know a lot of people just you know they can't they you know they reach a roadblock and they're like, man, why me? Or they blame somebody else for it. You know, I could have blamed uh, you know, when I got, you know, my second year in New Orleans, Mike Dickers, you know, released me right after training camp. I could have just blamed him, but you know, I used that as motivation to go to Kansas City and I was like, Man, uh, you know, the way it was set up, we end up playing the the Saints that uh, that same year I got released and you know, in that game I ended up getting two interceptions. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I I think I that was the year I, I I broke Emmett Thomas's, uh, record for return yards. Um, so it would like I said, if I wasn't, you know, I could have just went in the tank. And be like, man, I got cut. You know, I I got released twice, and you know, it's just something that that sucks. But you know, uh, I couldn't just go in the tank. I was like, man, I worked too hard. Uh, just let – just just sit here and just – and 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 soak in it. So I had to be ready. And when, you know, Marty knew him, Marty Schottenheimer and uh, Lamar Hunt called and said they want me to be a part of their organization, man, I was ready uh, to step in to the challenge. Got released again from Kansas City. And Coach Jim Moore picked me up in San Francisco. And, shoot, what, week five, week six, I got released from the 49ers, you know, and then got picked up by the – by the Redskins. So, you know, just going through those uh, tough times made me uh, a better person, made me appreciate uh, uh, the National Football League a little bit more, and just appreciate the people that uh, that laid the foundation for us to be able to play that game that, uh, you know, millions of people pouring to every Sunday and Monday and shoot, now they play playing games, on Thursday night. Thursday, so. yeah. <laughs> wow, so, yeah. So, yeah, you just got to, uh, you know, use your platform uh, to the best of your ability. And, you know, we all have a platform, whether you a, a football player or whether you're a doctor or a nurse. Uh, right now, those uh, the doctors and first responders, those are the real heroes uh, through this epidemic. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's tough, man. And, you know, there's all kind of uh, things going around of uh, – if we have a cure, if we don't have a cure, um, but uh, you know, every day these nurses are strapping their masks on and leaving their families and, and going to uh try to try to get a hold of this and save people's lives. And uh like you said, we're not promised tomorrow. So every day that we wake up, man, we gotta thank God and, and uh you know try to do the best that we can. For
0: sure, for sure. Man, so you know, so this is the part of um of the episode where we kind of get into it, like like I like to take it back to football, right, and, and during our practice periods, and we have different periods during the practice. You remember the blitz period?
1: I, I remember the blitz <laughs> period.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's what we got here. So we got a blitz <laughs> period. I'm going to fire off some uh, some questions uh, to you, and then, you know, you just kind of shoot me a, a quick response. All Did right. It? super quick because I, I want people to get some you know some of the some of the fruit from it so uh you ready?
1: Yes sir let's get it.
0: Okay so what was the coach uh, the coach that made the biggest impact on your life and why?
1: Uh, I, I would say my, my JUCO coach man John Secuto um, like I said he was the guy that uh, molded me into pretty much a player that I became in college and I use those same skills and and, and work ethic ethic that uh, he instilled in me Um, back then. Like I said, I I grew up without a father, so he was the first guy to really spit some game to me in my ear that I've never really heard before, and I respected that because of his resume. And uh, ironically, I think it was like maybe four or five years ago, uh, getting inducted to the uh, Glendo uh, Hall of Fame, me and him, went in the same class, so i mm-hmm. I, I was like, man, mm-hmm. out of all these years you've been coaching and um guys that that came through the program like this particular moment that's a, a great accomplishment for both of us uh I get to go in uh with my mentor so that that was that's pretty special man and I, every time we talk, we kind of kid about that, and he don't call me mark, he called me sweet sweepy, he always called me sweepy for <laughs> I don't know if it's because of my feet or because I was small from uh, my stature, but uh, he, he had a lasting impact. And uh, till this day, man, when we call is, it's just like old times.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Um, okay. What's, what's some advice you would give your 22 year old self?
1: Oh, my 22 year old, your 22 year old self. Um, you know, just, just make sure you surround yourself with, with uh, positive people, good people. And, um, you know, the people around you can influence you uh, in a good way or, or a bad way. So you got to make sure that you keep your head on. You got to be level headed. You got to be grounded, uh, especially with social media, telling everybody how good they are and how great they are and you look like this. And, um, you know, now they got filters on these uh, social media things that people can actually look like something that they're really not. So just try to be yourself and, uh, you know, and, and just just live a, a positive life.
0: Great. What makes a, what makes a great teammate?
1: Um, Someone that's willing to sacrifice uh, themselves uh, for the better of the team and not being selfish. Um, Like I said, I think Eric Allen is probably the ultimate professional of a good teammate of just putting himself to the side to make sure everybody else was on the same page and make sure everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing and giving his time and um, and and, and uh, blessings to to me, man. He opened up his playbook. He opened up his notes to me. and Let me, uh, you know, get some of his nuggets. So the ultimate teammate, man, is somebody that's willing to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the team. Mm. All
0: right. What what makes a a great leader?
1: Um, it's like I said. I would say somebody that's uh, willing to put themselves uh, to the side to make sure that everybody else is being successful. Um, uplift, uh, your teammates, uplift your, your coworkers. If you're the boss, you know, you can't walk around like, you know, I'm the big wig or, you know, you got to make sure that the people that's under you, that's really grinding, uh, to make sure that, uh, your engines are running good. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, man, Mark, man, I really appreciate you. Uh, What are different ways how my listeners can, can, uh, can contact you? Um, Mark does motivational speaking. So, um, you know, I want to make sure people get a chance to connect with you either on social media or website or email. Got any, any information for my, for my listeners?
1: I, I got several handles. It, it, you know, If they want to train, you know, they can go to camp29.com is my website. Now I know you threw my little grill and McMillan out there too. So oh, oh yes. Hey, you know definite. the grill. The grill is sizzling hot. You know, <laughs> is, sizzling is it every hot. day
0: you grill, every day you get uh, on the grill?
1: Every day we grill, man. So you know, I tell I, I tell the wife and, and my son, I was like, Man, y'all get restaurant quality meals. <laughs> hot off the grill <laughs> so hot that you might burn yourself before you put it in your mouth so uh, Gorilla McMillan is my other website we're in the process of stocking up our seasons again once all this stuff is over so they can go to G-R-I-L-L-N McMillan M-C-M-I-L-L-I-A-N dot com for my Gorilla McMillan site as well uh, Camp 29 is just camp29.com uh, you know my social media is just my name. You know, Twitter is Mark McMillan, uh, 29. So those are some of the avenues that people can reach out. And, um, even, you know, I like to interact with people on social media. Um, I know that's been a platform for us cause we didn't have that. And now, uh, fans that grew up watching us get an opportunity to kind of, you know, chop it up with us and give us stories about, uh, how we inspire them. And I always get, uh, letters or, or pictures from back then and guys are like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know you were on, you know, social media. I remember you gave me a glove or I remember you, wow. you know, took a picture with my son back in the day and stuff like that. Cause you know, we, you know, we didn't ever really, you know, we just take the picture and we got to go to meetings. We got to get taped up. We got treatment. So, you know, now you get the opportunity to reconnect with uh, with a lot of fans from all over the world. You know, I get, uh, people from Ireland, uh, Japan, you know, because we played two games in Japan, and just getting messages from there is like – that's like crazy to me because, you know, I never saw myself like that. I just wanted to play football, you know. I'm just, I'm just part of, you know, part of an organization, and that's our job. So uh, if you want to learn how to cook or if you need some seasons, we bu- we, about to, we about to hit the market again. But Gorilla McMillan, man, we gets it in. I don't know what I'm going to put on the menu tonight. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> on the menu tonight.
0: Well, I'm going to follow you just to make sure I can can (laughs) get a virtual taste.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Elijah. I know Elijah's always like, come on, coach.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, well, appreciate you, big dog, man, for for being a guest on The Shark Effect. And, um, man, love to to, uh, connect with you again.
1: Absolutely, man. When all this is over, man, we'll probably be able to, uh, you know, hug each other and, you know, love on each other, man. Like you said, uh, we're we're not promised tomorrow, so anytime that we can uh, reach back, man, that's the one thing about football, man. You 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 have a brotherhood that uh, that's that's really strong because we've been through a lot of stuff that you know a lot of people couldn't go through, man. Just the two days and just the grind of the game, and uh, that's I think uh, what we pull from uh, respecting guys that make it to that level because you know uh, all the hard work and it, it took to get there, so. Anytime I get the opportunity to chop it up with my NFL guys, I, I I give them respect.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well there you have it, another edition of the Shark Effect. So, no matter what, where you're at in terms of your journey, whether it's a, your beginning in leadership or if you're or if you're a seasoned vet when it comes to leadership, there's always uh, information out there that can help you become or to have more inf- impact when you're leading others. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here. Finally, my book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon and the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition. What, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you i break it down and i lay down the foundation of who you want to be i have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced i have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment and adjustment, um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter, developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times. But how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? OK, and then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes.